This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Hi, me. Cindy Adams, the incredibly charming, modest, unbelievably brilliant, same Cindy Adams, Madam Adams, who harangues you in my column four days every week, Monday through Thursday, in the God Bless Us New York Post. And I've been there forever. I mean, I can't even remember when I began back in the year, who knows, before there were calendars, just sundials. And now I am also here on WABC Radio every single Sunday at 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Okay, okay. So now one shred of vital information, just to show you I'm on top of things. The National Sleep Foundation recently reported that New Yorkers spend less time sleeping and less time having sex than years ago. Of course, that's except for someone I came across a lifetime ago who knew how to have sex and sleep at the same time. Which brings me to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard suing each other for defamation. The thing is, I can't actually remember whether or not I already told you this last week, and it's very possibly that I did, but... Just in case, I'm telling it again. Maybe I'd just like to hear myself talk, but I don't want to forget this. A lawyer told me, a trial for these misfits, and it is just because they hate one another that there is this case, it necessitates filing fees, minimal costs, security, a judge, official personnel, a jury, per diem fees, court reporter costs. That all socks taxpayers about $50,000 a day. So said this one law professor, civilization should be aware it's the public, our money, our taxes, that is underwriting Johnny and Amber's little pissing match. And those were his words, not mine. I'm far too refined to use such phraseology. Okay, now the good news. Restaurants, for which I'm very grateful, are resurrecting in the city. Nodding at onlookers has been Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen. He is newly out of the can and now without the ankle bracelet and he was at Fresco, waving at everyone, even the waiters. And at the plaza, in a big beaded pearl necklace, talking with everyone between martini sips, Miss Martha Stewart. Then there was comedian Tom Dreesen, Sinatra's opening act for 14 years. He was a Cipriani. So I asked him, I said, Tom... When is the last time you were in New York? And he said, when the Cuomos were still in power. Aye, okay, so listen. 
Because Joan Rivers' daughter, Melissa, has just now written a book about her mom, for some reason unknown to me, the God Bless Us New York Post recently reviewed the life of Joan Rivers. I'm not sure I know why, but they suddenly did it because of the book. Well, I want to get in on the act. Let me tell you about Joan. Her final days in a hospital bed. I was there. I spent holding my closest friend's hand, hoping one retold memory I might recite might provoke a response. It did not. She lay unresponsive. Joan and I had traveled together. We vacationed together. We've lived just blocks apart. We even actually negotiated buying connecting hotel apartments together at the plaza. There was one 15 years ago morning when nurses' equipment and IVs carried me home after an appendicitis attack and a week in the hospital. I could barely breathe on my own. I can never forget the day when I finally came home. Uninvited, unasked, Joan Rivers arrived and made me sit there with her to watch her Joan Rivers documentary. The fact that I was failing and my head was falling down, she couldn't have cared less. She was laughing at herself. One week before Joan Rivers left us, she did seven days, I mean with me, the two of us did seven days together of London shows, friends, relaxation, a little vacation. Flying home, she discussed the coming surgery. Mentioning her age and repeat fix-ups, I strongly argued against it. On Temple Emmanuel's altar, one week later, I spoke at her funeral. I told an assortment of Joan stories. Yes, I made the people laugh because that's what Joan would have done. There were VIPs and 700 crowded people in that house of worship. Also alongside were two stern-looking rabbis in clerical dress. One story I told was stupidly in bad taste, but I stupidly told it anyway. It was a funny story, it was a true story, and it came out of my mouth. There was the morning, and this is what I was remembering, the morning she came over. She was wearing a big black patch over her right eye when she walked into my home. I said to her, well, why, why the black patch? And Joan Rivers said to me, quote, that's what happens when you spend a whole night pleasuring Al Roker. The synagogue went nuts. They screamed, they shrieked, they applauded. Al Roker's wife, who was sitting right there, laughed. The rabbis did not. Another story. 
One weekend, Joan and I visited Colonial Williamsburg. At night, at night, Joan, being superstitious, jammed heavy club chairs against our doors. She also spread crinkly newspapers alongside. She was agitated, and the next morning she wanted us to leave. Joan Rivers' exact quote, and I remember it word for word because I will never forget it, she said to me, This place is haunted. Last night, the closet began moving towards me. Her grandchild, who was with us and was in another room, then came down to be with us both. Whatever it was, she made us leave early. She said, this place is haunted. Another story. I'm wound up, so I'm going to tell another story. She was always carting her QVC assorted, assorted tchotchkes in a handbag. These were the things she was selling on the air. She'd give them out en route as thank yous or tips. Not that she didn't tip everyone. She did. But if you were extra nice, she would give you a little thank you from her handbag, a bracelet or earrings. They were always $11 or less. Wherever in civilization she was, New York City, Los Angeles, Albany, or Albania, her assistant always was made to scare up a local beautician and a local hairdresser. What they could do in the jungles of an Albania, who knows? But they were made to be there. And each morning, wherever in the world Joan Rivers was, two pros came to do her makeup and her hair. Just one more story. I'm wound up so you can't shut me up. There was a lady called Doris Dorit Musayev Grimson. She was the firm, former first lady of Iceland, a friend of mine. And she came to New York and visited me, and I gave a lunch. Her family was a prominent Israeli jewelry firm. She was wearing at my lunch a double strand of waist-length 20-millimeter white pearls. I would say it was three-quarters of a million dollars worth of pearls. Also there, because we were having lunch, Joan Rivers sporting her own $12 QVC necklace, which you get a rash if you touch. And she said to the First Lady of Iceland, let's exchange. And they did. The First Lady put on her junk jewelry, and Joan put on the First Lady's double row of million-dollar pearls. And all day, Joan flashed Dorrit's pearls, and Dorrit wore Joan's junkola junk. Okay, it is now for time a station break. That means I have to do it right now, or they'll throw me out, and I will have to start selling more of Joan Rivers' jewelry. I will be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am now about to interview Dr. Anat, A-N-A-T, Lebeau, L-E-B-O-W. Her office is on Madison Avenue. She is an A number one medical and cosmetic dermatologist. She has been educated at Boston University, Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and she is just the best, Dr. Anat Lebeau. Dr. Lebeau. People are now coming in younger, are they not? Yes, they are. So in this new world we have today, the young adults, the 20-year-olds, are aware of how to take care of their skin, and they are all about prevention. Yeah, well, why are they coming in, even if they're interested in prevention, why are they coming in in their 20s and 30s? Exactly. I mean, so what has gotten through, through the media, through all the Instagrams, You've got all these young adults who are doing things they don't necessarily need. They're plumping up their lips, their cheeks, their behinds. They are convincing people that prevention is key. And there is some good out of this because sunscreen and skincare has become more routine in this population. And they are going to look better than we look when they're older. But they are, you know, very concerned about preventing lines, preventing aging. So Botox. It's called baby Botox for a lot of these 20-year-olds. They're very interested in it, and they are doing it everywhere. Okay, so what is the difference between stuff that's named Restylane, Juvederm, Botox, fillers? I mean, I don't even know the difference. What, what, what does it mean? It's a great question. A great question. So we have our neurotoxins, our, our Botox, our Dysport, our Xeomin, which is going to freeze the muscle from moving. So you're going to not, you're going to stop those lines from forming on your forehead, the 11s they call them, the crow's feet. And then you've got your fillers, which fill in the defects. So as we age, our, our volume decreases in our face and kind of goes south. So filler can plump up the cheeks, plump up the behind, and, and really give us back that volume. Does does the pandemic make any difference because we've all been left home? We're looking at ourselves more. Has it has it become absolutely more... people are connecting with their loved ones on the screen. So people are seeing the lines magnified. So I've had you have young twenty year olds that are just meeting online. They're seeing their colleagues and they are coming in to to just freeze those lines and fill those lines. And then you've got your fifty year old women who've never had any cosmetic procedure done and they are seeing lines and they haven't seen before and they're coming yeah. in as well. Well, why, why are guys doing it now? They're coming in and getting stuff put in too. Why is that? Yes. Yeah, so, so guys have always cared about how they look. They are ahead of the game. Guys, ageism is real, no matter if you're male or female and guys care about how they look and they want to feel younger and healthier and how we present ourselves to the world is how we, we feel. So men are coming in and they're filling in their crow's feet or filling in their glabella, the, the 11s, with filler because sometimes they have heavier muscles and they can't put a neurotoxin in that area. They are making sure that they are also reverse aging and staying better looking as they get older. Yeah, but they always needed to look better. 
Why all of a sudden is, are they doing it? I don't understand why a big guy of six foot with, with a beard is schlepping in to get stuff stuck in his face. Right, right. Well, it's a great, a great question. I mean, men have always cared about how they look. It's just the attention has been more on women. But as society kind of changes and we kind of are looking at everybody in, with different terms and as just unique, beautiful people, people want to just stay healthy and young and, and really look good as they get older, no matter what, how old they are. If they've been in the sun when they were young, they want to remove those spots. They want to get lasered. They want to get rid of the age spots on their face. If they're spending a lot of time in Florida during the pandemic, they want to come up and, and kind of reverse that damage. I think a lot of it is magnifying mirrors, which we didn't used to have. I am now speaking to Dr. Annette LeBeau. Let me ask, what does a laser do? What, do, what is a laser? So a laser is a specific wavelength of light that attacks the chromophore. So we're attacking pigment. We're getting rid of brown spots. We're attacking red. We're getting rid of blood vessels from the sun, from just age, genetics, lasers, are the future. They are better than a facial. They really reverse aging. They build collagen deep in the dermis, and they are just helping people stay young longer and healthier looking. Are, are they not dangerous in some cases? You know, laser can be very dangerous if you go to the wrong person. So you really, you know, lasers have a lot of power. They are powerful, powerful tools, and they could take away pigment. They could add pigment. So you really have to go to the right people to really know who know who knows what they're doing and the machine they're using and and can really get the most out of it. So yes, lasers can be very dangerous. They can scar people. They can <clears throat> depigment people. But they can also do so much more. Where do we humans get jabbed mostly? So most people. So your 20-year-olds are getting their lips filled and their cheeks filled. So they already have high cheekbones and they don't have the the same kind of volume loss that a 50-year-old has, but they want it to be even be better and bigger. So they're, you know, putting it in their noses. They're getting um, non-surgical nose jobs. They're lifting the tips of their nose. They're filling their cheeks and their lips. And then as we get older, we're filling in our nasolabial folds, our marionettes, our frown lines. As we age, we look yeah. unhappy. We frown. So that is a huge, huge thing. You see these people walking around with frowns on their face, and it's easy to fix. Isn't it cheaper? to go to a spa and get a facial than to go to people like you who are a little expensive. So my <laughs> philosophy, my philosophy is that a facial gives you a glow for a day, but a laser reverses aging. Filler adds volume. Over time, you will build your own collagen. Botox does do prevention. It does help prevent those lines that, you know, we look weathered and older. And so all of this is real, real cosmetic, reverse aging, whereas surgery is another option, but that's a huge procedure. You're going under anesthesia. You really can't change the result. With filler, the good news and the bad news is it comes and goes. You're going to have to keep doing it. You're going to have to keep the upkeep, but the goal is to never look like you've had anything done. So if you look at a star, can you tell just by looking at her, him, them, it, can you tell if they have just fixed their face? Absolutely. So, you know, there's a little glow sometimes that you get post-Botox, post-filler. You can kind of see if someone's lips look unnatural, look a little frozen in time when they're speaking, where you can't see the movement. A lot of times people just get overexcited and they can't help it. There is, and 
infinity to perfection. We're never satisfied, so people can't help themselves. And so really you want to find the doctor that is, supports your philosophy of natural, youthful aging. Well, you know, I, I have a friend who once went to a doctor for some filler. I don't know what she got, but she said they put 10, 10 bottles of filler in one face. I mean, isn't that insanity? Too much? I mean, it's, it's what happens. So, you know, this, this non-surgical facelift where you put 10 volumes of like five different kinds of fillers, you can put calcium hydroxyapatite in the cheeks, radius, you can put Sculptra, you can put superficial fillers like Velour and Juvederm. So people can, I mean, it's an endless body of correction. And if you've delayed the process, if you started later in life, you're going to need a lot more. But if you start when you're 20, you may never need more than three syringes at a time. But you don't necessarily need to start at 20. It is out of control. <laughs> okay, so if I'm about to ask you, Dr. LeBeau, how often should it be done? So every face is different. Everybody's different. And everybody ages differently. So we have our environmental triggers that just accelerate our skin aging. If we are, you are smoking or out in the sun, we have all of that accelerated aging. So someone could be the same age as someone else, but their aging is different. They are maybe in desperate need of some laser and filler. So if you're starting from a healthy palate and you've done your sun protection, your topical antioxidant use, you've moisturized your skin and you've really taken good care of yourself, you may need to do it twice a year. But if you're starting really young, you know, you do it every couple of years. <laughs> okay. What about the neck? I see people with smooth faces that look like an ice rink, nothing on it. And then the face looks like a prune. What do you do about the neck? I know the neck is the toughest, toughest thing. The necks don't lie. Cindy, you're absolutely right. The neck is everybody's nightmare and everybody's goal to improve. <laughs> so we do have some tools. We even have a deoxycarboxylic acid called Kybella. A what? A what? A what? An injectable to put in someone's double chin. So to help tighten that area and get rid of the, the little pouch of fat under the chin. The neck, a lot of us will put some Botox in people's necks to soften it as well as some filler, but the neck is the hardest part. The tightening lasers are out there. The, you know, it's, it depends on the technician, the physician, and who's doing the procedure, but there's no dream neck, neck tightening device at this point. Doesn't it hurt to stick a needle in your neck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get used to things, right, in life, and women are tough, and, and men are becoming tougher as they join this cosmetic world. But yes, yeah, so little tiny bits of Botox in the neck doesn't hurt that much. Um, the lasers can, it is a sensitive skin area. The dermis is very thin, but the lasers do a lot to just kind of tone down that aged appearance. It may not tighten, tighten, but it'll smooth out the neck a little bit. But hey, it does tell the tale. <laughs> Hey, Dr. LeBeau, do you ever stick it in your own face? Of course I do. You never trust anyone as much as you can trust yourself. Um, I do do my own Botox. I have yet to do my own filler, <laughs> but I do do some lasers on myself as well. Before a big event, I mean a, a wedding or, or some other thing like that, how soon should you do something like that before the event? So, so my advice to most people is, Never do something too close to an event. You should do it six weeks to four weeks prior to the big event to let everything settle, to fix any areas that need correction over time. But ideally, six to four weeks prior to an event where we can make everything perfect. You do it too close to an event. If something goes awry, 
it's very difficult to fix, or you just might have to find another way to salvage the process for the event. So never do it too close. Not a good idea. Plan ahead. Okay, Okay, but even if you don't have to refix, doesn't it show for a certain amount of time and then the marks disappear? Right. So you can get bruising from filler. That could take about two weeks to recover. We do have lasers to help with that, but it does take some time. If you do get a little bruise from Botox, which is very rare, again, you want that to be gone for your event. So plan ahead, ideally four weeks, six weeks max, but too close to the, via- to the, to the event, then you never know what could happen. Do you do- could be allergic, else- which is rare as well. What else besides a face, do you do behinds and thighs and so stomachs? I do not- <laughs> I, what do you do? My- so I love laser. So I can laser your body, your whole body. I can fix your back, make it look better if you've had sunburns. I could laser your arms, your stomach. So for me, ideally, a broadband light, full body, is ideal for just reverse aging, getting the skin to glow so you don't neglect your body. Like, you can make your face look great like you're saying, but if your body doesn't glow, your age is there. I don't know a word you just said, and I don't (laughs) understand it either, but I do love talking to you. And thank you very, very much for coming on the air with me, Dr. Anat LeBeau. Oh, Cindy, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Okay, baby. Bye. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay, you're very fortunate I am back. Now, forget Harry Potter's cursed child and deathly hallows. Today, the grown-up adult Daniel Radcliffe is with Sandra Bullock in The Lost City. No more wizard. Now an adult gent, he plays a heavy, a baddie dude, not very nice guy. Daniel Radcliffe says, My character is a not good guy. He makes people unhappy. He chloroforms them and he takes them places against their will. Listen, don't wait for his laugh. I mean, the thing is already in theaters, so there's nothing I can do to fix up what he says. But here is a little extra information. Sandra Bullock, who looks stunning and is in the movie with Daniel Radcliffe, she is known, which is not known to many people, Sandra Bullock is known to smear hemorrhoid cream on her face. You heard me? Hemorrhoid cream on her face. She learned the beauty secret while she was filming something somewhere. What part she was then photographing, this I don't know. I don't even know what she was playing. I don't care either. All I know is she has said, bottom cream helps against wrinkles. Okay, I mean, I don't know how many wrinkles you have in your behind, but that's what she says, which means it's great. And if you're looking to get close to her, to get a close, Close up. Lots of luck. Onward, onward. Here is another 
Rear End Exclusive. Ben Affleck, of whom you may have heard, his this week fiancé is Miss Lopez, the well-known temp. She gets engaged weekly. She once, a small while ago, a few fiancés back, hung a nude painting of herself in her home. Husbands ago, there was a magazine called In Touch Weekly, and it reported that this serial girls behind looked, and they quote, artistic and tasteful. Me, I personally do not know. I was never invited to see her behind. But disbelievers can ask around, like all around, for confirmation of what her behind might look like. Now, I'm flexible today. Now I'm going to go from behinds to marijuana. Some marijuana stories. Marijuana, which is now America's new flavor, brings me up to Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, when he was a small boy, remembers how he was busted for it when he was just a kid at age 16. He has since said, quote, The roach, he didn't mean an insect, he meant the stub. The roach that was found in my car wasn't even mine. Someone had left it in the ashtray. And he says, here is now me, the day the guys arrested me. I actually was at that precise moment wearing a costume. It was from community theater thing I was doing. I'm at that precise moment wearing Kelly Green knee socks and bright red plaid bloomers. Cops brought guys from the lockout, the lockup, just to look at me and laugh at me. Yeah, I can understand that. More marijuana stories. 1976, Neil Diamond is arrested in L.A., for the possession of marijuana. What makes it a nice little story is that the arresting officer then asked Neil Diamond to autograph his Neil Diamond album. There exists the book titled Ozzy Unauthorized. The book reports that one day Ozzy Osbourne, after ingesting 990, Acid tabs swallowed an additional other seven different drugs. That is what the book about him says. The book also says it then took him eight days to come off it. Although with Ozzy in those days, you couldn't always tell whether he was on it or he was off it. Now, you know, I'm flexible. I want to talk about New York. I always like to throw in a little juice about my hometown, New York City. So, now, just a little chat about our new mayor, Eric Adams, who shares my last name, but at the moment seems not eager to share his latest income tax filing. A while back, 
I sort of was a little curious how it had happened that then, when he was on a cop's salary, he bought thick silk ties and gold collar tacks and more suits than Tom Cruise has. So, long before Eric Adams zipped up his income tax, I had repeatedly requested, like over and over and over, asking politely for an interview. It was not granted. It was never even granted. It was not that it was made and then changed. It was just plain never granted. So, additionally, pay attention. Mrs. de Blasio, our now former First Lady, you should all know, helped this mayor's election. So with Sherlane's fabulous managerial expertise, and we all remember how great she handled so many things in the city, we all remember what a great job she did arithmetically, watch, just watch, to see her thank you come as Brooklyn's next borough president. That was the deal, the handshake. It was set in stone. Do not ask how I know. I know. It was either set in stone or in the voting booth. Listen, being a New York politician definitely beats working. In New York City today, it would appear crack lives matter. Now, since we're speaking about New York, we go to Governor Kathy Hochul. Her dream ticket, which you may have read about this week, was his, her running mate, State Senator Brian Benjamin. That story is now a nightmare. In New York City, in New York State, the governor and lieutenant governor do not run as a team the way our president and vice president do. In 1982, our then-mayor, Ed Koch, ran for governor. His running mate was Westchester County Executive Alfred Del Bello. Mario Cuomo, the father of our most recent ex-governor, Mario Cuomo then beat Koch in the election. But Del Bello still got elected as Mario's lieutenant governor. To quote one Paul, everyone in Albany is on parole. Okay, onward. Not that this has anything to do with anything, but I saw on a local T-shirt this boldly printed logo. It said, quote, if it walks like a dog and it barks like a dog, look out. It could be a cat and drag. Wait, one more. I'm wound up. I'm, uh, I can't shut my mouth, so I'm, I'm going on to other things. One more. This employee, a cousin, was caught stealing. Firing him, the boss said, I am not putting you in jail. It would upset the family, and it would also hurt our firm. The employee replied, I admit I robbed from you, but I now have a big home, two cars, and a golf club membership. I don't need anything more. So 
Why hire somebody else and have him start at the beginning? That's an only in New York, kids. Only in New York. Listen, the time has come that I have got to do a station break. And after I do the station break, I am going to be back with such magnificent information that you will be stunned. So stay with me, and I will be back in a moment. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay, I'm back. I have just done a station break. I have been absolutely magnificent, and I am back. People write me, and they actually ask me about what it is like to be a newspaper journalist or columnist. It all looks so easy, whatever. They think maybe it's just going to parties and getting dressed and seeing celebrities and having martinis and taking photographs. It's not. It looks so easy. I understand that. I have been at the New York Post 41 years, almost long before Alexander Hamilton founded it. When they hired me, my social security number was three. Listen, I started early. My early years were spent working in Asia. I have printed columns on the back of an elephant in the upcountry jungles of Thailand. I don't mean I printed it. I wrote it, and then I hand-wrote it, and then it was printed. I have done daily washes and scrubs from a pith helmet in the jungles of Surabaya, Indonesia. I have taught English to school children in Vientiane, Laos. Some place around the Sahara, I needed desperately one time to find a wire station where I could send a telegram or cable or whatever because I was in trouble. This is long before they had cell phones and before they had computers. Somehow, I remember locating an office, this is years ago, where I could manage to send a message, a message home for help. I don't remember at this point whatever the trouble was, but whatever it was and wherever I was, I needed a response back immediately. I was in some difficulty. So I managed to ask the people around me who were watching over me, ask them at whatever, wherever there was an office, and would they be able to take me there so I could transmit my message to New York as quickly as possible. It needed to get from the Sahara to the United States, and I had no other way to do it. So my difficulty, whatever it was, could be resolved quickly. And their answer was, I think it probably came from a camel, their answer was, oh, yes, madam, no problem. Our telegrams go out every week. I remember that distinctly. I don't remember how the problem was resolved, but I remember, hey, guys, I have paid my dues before I came to be just what looks like a nice little newspaper columnist. A couple of stories. I had some sort of super high IQ in high school. It was so high that it allowed me to skip grades 
and be in a super-fast propelled curriculum in my earliest teens. However, there was a problem. Graduation necessitated my making my own graduation dress. That was part of the curriculum in those days. It was called home ec, like economics. And girls in those days were forced to make their own graduation dress. Well, I couldn't. I still can't. It was summertime. The fabric they gave us was thin, white lawn. And I had dragged it around until it was dark gray, near black, and a mess, and half shredded. My mother finally wrenched it out of my hands. She took it to a professional dressmaker. Now, there's a point to this story. You shouldn't think I'm just telling you about my sewing. I will make a point. She wrenched it from me and took it to a professional dressmaker. She had the dressmaker run up this lawn and do the seams and make sleeves and put together what looked like a dress. Well, lots of luck. The school principal saw it, and he said, Ma'am, this is no good. He was speaking to my mother. If your daughter does not make her own dress, she doesn't graduate. Now understand, I had at that point in school a 97-point-something rating. I mean, you couldn't hardly get higher than I had. However, my mother said to the principal, my daughter cannot make the dress. The principal said, she don't make the dress. She don't graduate. So, not only did I, the newspaper columnist at the New York Post, the journalist on WABC, the person who just had a documentary done, not only didn't I ever go to college because I couldn't have a diploma, but I never even got to graduate high school. I am thus living proof you cannot become anything in this country without a college education. Okay. More stories. I'm in the mood to tell some stories, so don't hang up. A pile of years ago, this is another story that's not so great about me, but I keep remembering these things. I don't seem to have any good stories that I can remember about me. I remember the lousy ones. A pile of years ago, I was buying an apartment. The one I was looking at was on Park Avenue. While I was examining what was to be my purchase, my rental agent broker went downstairs to get something. I don't remember what. She then, after she got it, got back into the elevator to come back upstairs. In the elevator at that moment was another passenger. She happened to have been the chair lady of this building's board. She was a little old lady with blonde hair and skinny legs. I've often wondered why so many little old ladies on Park Avenue all have blonde hair, some of which is on their chin. Anyway, she said to my rental agent, not knowing she was my rental agent, 
she said in her little high-pitched bird-like voice, Miss, can you imagine who is looking to buy an apartment in this building? That dreadful gossip person. As though we would ever even have that sort of person living here. Needless to say, I never bought that apartment. Ah, then years came, and years and years and years, I was on television. For years and years and years and years, I was on WNBC TV, the show which I don't think is on any longer, but then was a big number. It was called Live at Five, and the lady star was Sue Simmons. One day, I'm on the air. It was a tight headshot. Television camera was full on my face, and the contact lens began rolling right down my cheek. Another Sue Simmons story. This, <laughs> I remember this so well, and I start to laugh when I think about it. Sue Simmons who is now not working any longer, but was then the longtime anchor face on WNBC-TV, local NBC. She'd been there since the Stone Age. She was probably there before they invented radio. I love her. So one day, she invites me over to her apartment for dinner. It's just a few blocks from my place. Well, Sue and I today, even then, both have had Yorkies from the same breeder. So in those days, Sue puffed a little marijuana. This one night, when I was supposed to come over, she had been in a private small room at home. The door was closed. The dog was with her. She was smoking her pot. And suddenly, the little five-pound Yorkshire Terrier just fell over. <laughs> what happened after that, I don't know. But the damn dog fell over. He just didn't take to the pot. So what happened to me after that, I became a model. I had 57 beauty titles, some of them, or at least maybe a couple of them, even actually bordered on maybe me partially being semi-legit. Because these were mostly all public relations gimmicks. Like, once they made me Miss Wallet, whatever that thing was. I was in all kinds of magazines. Who remembers what it was? But pay attention for one of my really big experiences. I was crowned. You ready? I should be ashamed. But the truth is, I was crowned. The Brooklyn Better Bagel Bakers Association actually crowned me Miss Bagel. And they gave me a huge crown of shellacked bagels. I'd like to tell you what I could have told them. Listen, today, this very day, this very Sunday, is my birthday. So let me ask you listeners, what? Is the meaning of ten nine eight seven six five 
four, three, two, one. What does it mean? You give up? The answer is, it's Jane Fonda getting older. She says she has just turned 60. Okay. She turned 60? She made a U-turn someplace. But I have discovered there exist three signs of old age. One is losing memory. The other two, I forget. I once asked a big star. I don't remember who it was. I seem to remember it might have been Brad Pitt, but I could be mistaken. Anyway, I asked this big famous movie star how he keeps looking so well. He said he always lived clean life, and he started as a kid. And I said, what do you mean a clean life? He said, I never smoked, drank, or had sex until I was 12. Okay, so listen, my time's about up, and I just want to say we're coming into summer, and everything in the Hamptons last summer was outdoor movies being shown at drive-ins. You just sat in your car, and at a drive-in, what did you see? Sex, perversion, sodomy. And then you looked at the screen, and what did you see? Sex, perversion, sodomy. And not only in New York, kids, not only in New York, probably where you're living also. Anyway, have a happy afternoon, and thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to me. I'll be around again next week, same time, same station.